welcome to Knitter Square. I'm your host Leanne Hunt and I hope you'll pick up your knitting and spend the next little while with me as we share that warm fuzzy feeling that comes when we knit and crochet for charity. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 15 of the Knitter Square podcast. I'm your show host Leanne Hunt and um, I'm happy to bring you another lovely episode of uh, Knitter Square, this time uh, featuring a volunteer from South Africa. Um, as I record this, I'm sitting here knitting a, a very fluffy square. Um, I managed to get hold of some, some interesting... Um, it's a, an acrylic yarn, but it's it's sort of a, a fuzzy, soft, fluffy um, texture when you knit it up. And uh, I had a whole packet of it, but I didn't want to knit it into a jersey or anything. Uh, not particularly fond of the fluffy kind of uh, textured fabric for a jersey. Um, or maybe it would be nice for a scarf. But I had in mind to knit it up into squares because the texture is so pleasing um, <clears throat> and I was thinking a child who gets a blanket with a few of these nice fluffy white squares will actually enjoy rubbing her hand across the, the soft texture and feeling the coziness of it. So I've um, managed to make lots and lots of these squares. I did I did a whole lot of them while we were on holiday and um, I'm just finishing up the packet now and we'll send them off with my next batch of squares. Um. News from the home front, not much to tell, but uh, we have a new addition to the family. Um, a little dog who I'm looking after temporarily for my neighbor. And that's rather funny because um, he's a he's a small dog, uh, quite a mature dog, and he looks a little bit like a Border Collie. He's got the black and white markings um, and tiny little feet. <laughs> it's very sweet. Yeah, he's come with all his own bedding and things like that. But I have a, a bulldog who's about uh, 18 months to two years old he's not sterilized and he still has all his um his need for competitiveness and he's he's a very gentle dog i have to say but i don't think he's particularly happy that there's another male who's come into the house and especially a, a male who's older and a little bit more confident than him because jack will stand his ground he'll just give a nice loud growl which says don't mess with me and um, then my dog, whose name is Tolkien, will stay stay back. And um, so when when he's walking around Jack's bed, he's walking on very stiff legs. He's not too keen to get to get into trouble. My my guide dog Tango, she's that black Labrador, which you've you've probably seen in photographs when we would go to get to the barn. Uh, Tango's very happy to have an extra companion and she loves to run around the garden but when the two boys boy dogs get a little bit too much you can find her um, well in her favorite place to escape uh, when I go and look for her I find her lolling around on the pool net uh, she loves water as Labradors often do and she leopard crawls her way across the the pool net lies in the center and has her tummy and her feet dangling in the water it's really funny to watch and then if I call her she leopard crawls rapidly back again to the edge jumps out and then shakes herself off and goes for a gallop around the garden <laughs> lots of fun Anyway, in today's episode, I have Liz, uh, Liz Geldenhuis, who's one of our um, staunch supporters. She's She's been a volunteer for a couple of years, but she really does um, have a lot to share about, uh, about um, 
her role and loves to sort and sort and sew up blankets. And um, she's got some great tips for us, which are very relevant at this time for uh, our time during um, sort of the second wave of COVID and having to lock down all over again and stay indoors, keep safe. So um, here is my interview with Liz. Liz, um, welcome to the podcast. And uh, it's a Monday morning as we record this. And I was just wondering how your morning has been so far. Hi, good morning. I woke up very early today. So what do I do? I switch on Sky News. I fetch my knitting. I sit in bed with my coffee. And I <laughs> And watch Sky News. Fantastic. That's me nearly every morning. Okay, lovely. All right, so you're a, an enthusiastic knitter, and of course, you're also one of our volunteers who sews up the blankets. So, um, yes. yeah, maybe just tell us a little bit about how you first got in, involved in Knitter Square, when that was, and you know. Okay. Um, in in my career, I've always been creative and artistic. Being a junior school teacher, mm. my mother and my grandfather were both creative as well. So I've always, through my life, done creative tasks with my pupils. Mm. That also led me to become involved in school charity projects. I love children, and I was always very aware of underprivileged children um, with all the different school charities I've done many years ago. Mm. And so I've always been really cognizant of the fact that I need to help those who don't have. Mm. It started with my own grandchildren when I retired because at St. Dithian's Junior School, an appeal went out online for moms and grands to sew up squares into blankets. Okay. Because nobody wanted to do that job. Yeah. Yes, because it's easy to do the knitting. You can sit in front of the TV and do the knitting and stuff. But the mm. sewing up is actually more tedious, unless you, I suppose, unless you're used to it and you get into a, a system mm. of doing things. I wasn't at all. So I volunteered and I was given a whole lot of blanket squares. What a mixed bag it was. Anyway, <laughs> I, I took it all home and sorted it. That's what I love doing. I love sorting and color coding and matching squares to make a blanket. I love it. And yeah. other other people don't like that at all, but it appeals to me. Great. So I told the teacher that's what I would do for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. And I just loved it. Wow. Then, with with all those gran- crazy sizes too, hey Liz. I know. <laughs> then my granddaughter went into the girls' prep school the following year. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to have that contact anymore. I was prepared to go back to the junior school and beg them for squares. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to beg, I promise you. Okay. Anyway, I found out at the girls' prep that they actually had a knitting charity. Yeah. Where they collected squares from moms and grands and aunties. And they had a competition every year at the school. Okay. To see which house would collect the most squares. Mm-hmm. So I got involved in that with through the teacher in charge, and she happened to tell me Rhonda's details. 
right. so excited. So I got hold of Rhonda on the phone. Rhonda said, please come and visit us. Of course. So I did. And that's how it started. Yes. So I then went to the barn the one Tuesday, met Rhonda, saw everybody and all the work involved, and I was happy as a Larry. I was so yes. excited because from then on, I got involved. And so it's... now, instead of knitting, I'm the one who takes the squares home mm -hmm. and does the sewing. Fantastic. Actually, I, I remember when you first uh, came along to the barn, um, you know, we, we sometimes get volunteers who will arrive and sort of stick it out for a few weeks and then for whatever reason move on, you know. Um, but you've been a, a sticker and it's a, a stayer. <laughs> it's because of my charity involvement Absolutely. all my life as a teacher. So I thought, well, this is now an opportunity during my retirement to actually carry this through and carry this on. Yeah. So that's that's what I'm doing. Fantastic. Sure. Yeah. And now, um, how has it affected you with COVID? I mean, with, you know, we haven't been meeting at the barn. How has it changed exactly. for you? Luckily, just before lockdown, the barn was open on a specific Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And those of us that were there just took so much home. Okay. My boot was full. And because I all pair my grandchildren, I don't know if you're aware of that. I think um, you've mentioned, yes. Yes, okay. I all pair my grandchildren every afternoon. Mm -hmm. That stopped. So during COVID, I actually kept my mind active and busy and sane. Yeah. But I did almost 100 blankets. I just <gasps> sewed all day long. Nice. Just to keep myself going. That is you incredible. Know? Because I was so used to being active with the grandchildren. Yeah. That this was just the most amazing substitute for me. And I loved it. I never got bored once. Yeah. So tell us about some of the blankets that you've actually put together during this COVID stage. Sure. Sure. I love color coding. So what I try to do is I try to pick up squares that will match a color scheme. Mm -hmm. And then I put them on my bed. I've got a double bed. I put the squares on the bed and I sort of mess them around and play with them mm -hmm. uh, until I've got what I think looks nice for a blanket. Then I just pick them all up and I go and sit in the lounge or sit in bed and I start. I also love matching crochet and knitted squares, funnily enough. Okay. And don't like that but I don't mind at all as long as the squares are the the same size yeah and for the sure. same thickness yes because texture matters a lot you you can't mm. sort of put a, a dainty knitted square with a chunky crochet or, or vice versa it's... you actually can't because mm. the blanket doesn't gel mm. it sort of gets all lumpy and falls apart that mm. kind of thing mm. And then I was very lucky, Leanne. Uh, my sister is able to crochet. And she uh, lives in a different retirement village from me. And she just recently had cancer treatment as well. Mm -hmm. And she loves doing all the edging of my blankets. Oh, so all, all my blankets go to her. And she also loves color coding. She picks up 
she goes and buys masses of wool yeah. and picks up the correct colour for a particular blanket. And then she does a surrounding crochet work all the way around the blanket, just to finish it off. What's her name, Liz? Patty. Patty. Well, gosh, I can imagine that Patty gets a lot of pleasure being able to do something for others while she's recovering from her own cancer treatment. Exactly. You know, when you. Luckily, I could drop off uh, my blankets at the security. And then the security at her village would take it to her cottage. And vice versa, they would bring um, (laughs) blankets completed back to me at my car. So that actually worked quite well. So we carried on. And sorry, now that just brings me to something, because our overseas members might be quite interested to know this. (laughs) Were the the retirement villages completely um, out of bounds to visitors during the extreme lockdown? Yes, we were. So the worst part for me was not being able to see my grandchildren, mm. um, of course, and for my sister not to have any visitors. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, complete Gee. lockdown at retirement villages. We still have lockdown at the moment, but it's slowly opening. We're allowed to have one visitor per day. Okay. At braille care... They've still got total lockdown. Visitors wow. are only allowed with special permission. Yeah. So if there's a dire need, but not just for mm. regular visiting. That must have been and hard for Patty. You know what, Leanne? Mm-hmm. We've got an old lady who's 106. Oh, my goodness. Yes. She's amazing. And she crochets uh, squares for charity. Sure. And I sew her blankets together for her. Oh, that's wonderful. What's her name? She's quite amazing. Mm. Sure. What's her name, uh, Liz? Her name is Doreen Reed. Doreen. Gosh, that's amazing. 106. Yes. Isn't that fantastic? She is amazing. So she's had a tough time during lockdown, but Mm. she does keep herself busy and she's still crocheting. And as I say, I sew her blanket squares together and it's beautiful work. Yeah. And, and, And isn't it amazing? I mean, I'm just thinking lockdown has been tough for so many people. But those people who've had a hobby and especially a hobby that can serve others must have. I mean, I know for myself, it's it's been really nice to feel connected to a cause that is bigger than your own little four walls. Exactly. Mm. That is what has motivated me and kept me going. I've even told both my daughters. One of my daughters is a doctor, so she's had to go out every single day. Mm. So she's been very aware of, say, my mental condition. Mm. Every time I say to her, I've got so many hobbies, and Knitter Square is my biggest hobby. I love it so much. It satisfies her knowing yeah. that her mom is active and able to do all these things Absolutely. right through COVID. Yeah. No matter what else is happening around. Yeah. And the best part is Rhonda said to us, carry on, carry on. If you see a child in need or you hear about a child in need, because of the lack of distribution, you can give it out. Yes. And that I remember, yeah, we we have this nice little WhatsApp group of volunteers and she occasionally puts out those kind of messages. And yeah, that that was amazing because um, 
you know, I know that it's, there's no use us sitting with all these things on the shelves. If if we as um, volunteers who who are working on blankets and literally know that we've got them in our possession, you know, that, that, um, that, we, that was a very frustrating thought. Yeah. But luckily, Rhonda was wonderful in that way. She mm. just opened her heart and said, hand out to whichever child you think needs it. Mm. And as you know, there are always children with mothers and aunties on the streets. That's right. Do, 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 you, do you want to describe that to our members? Because it's something we live with all the time. Yes. When you're driving around, people are on the streets all the time. Yes, yes. I'm very aware of it here where I live in Bryanston. Um, when the first lockdown opened up, um, the beggars were back on the streets. Mm. And there are often ladies with their own little children, babies mm. and toddlers. Mm. And I would make an effort to just put on um, my lights or whatever or my flickers. And I would stop my car, mask on, mm. hand out a blanket and say, this is from charity. Yes. It's for God's love. Yes. And the most amazing thanks and looks that you mm. get from these ladies. Mm. They are desperate. Yeah, totally yeah. desperate. And and you, you kind of know how desperate you, they are when, when you dr- drive up or draw up to a traffic light. And exactly. there'll be like three, three lanes of traffic. And they'll be literally st- standing on the white line at the, at the yes. um, you know, literally between the cars, risking their lives and their babies' mm. lives. You know, it's, mm. it's, I mean, it's horrible. It's, it's it really, is horrible. Yeah. And every single person that I did hand out to couldn't thank me enough yeah. or say, you are wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, madam, they mm. would say. Mm. And very often these people are the very desperate people who live in squatter camps and in backyards somewhere, mm. and they don't have access access to food parcels or charity handouts. They're just unable to get to them. Yeah. So they are desperate. So mm. to give them a lovely, cuddly blanket mm. for their child is just great. I... I'll never forget one little girl. Mm. She took my blanket... The robot, luckily, was still red for me. Yeah. He took my blanket, put it around her little shoulders, and did a little dance right oh. there next to my car. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. You know, it, it, it reminds me of, I think it was 2004. Do you remember there, there was that tsunami? Yes. Um, in, um, uh, I can't think of the no, name of it now. No, no, it was the one um, in the in East Asia. Oh, oh okay, yes. Yeah, I think it was the one in Phuket. Yes. Um, and I remember them talking about um, volunteers who were going out there and handing out teddy bears to children who had been traumatized. And yes. it made such an impression on me because it didn't matter that the volunteers couldn't speak the same language as the children. It was handing over a, a something that they could hold close to themselves and feel comforted by you know and that was that that sense of holding something that was warm and cuddly yes. um was it was found to have an enormous um positive effect on the children and i think the same goes for you know that the the children in south africa who are abandoned or going through incredible difficulty um that the the blankets actually offer more than warmth it's that yes. sense it of comfort them love and security mm-hmm. 
you know, they always you always talk about a security blanket. For well, sure. that's exactly what our blankets are. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Mm. And it's just lovely being right there next to the very person that you're handing out to. Yeah, for it sure. It just gives you such a sense of pride and satisfaction yeah. that you're providing to this needy child. For sure. Liz, take us back to, to how you first learned to knit and, and you know, what sort of uh, brought you into the whole yarn and blankets and things, you know, okay. in the first place. Um, my, you know, my mom and my granny were both knitters and creative people with all sorts of crafts. My mom was actually an arts and crafts teacher. Okay. And they they both taught me to knit. Mm -hmm. And when I was a child, I used to knit for my teddies and my dolls anyway. <laughs> Lovely. Little blankets, little um, scarves, silly things, you know, with lots yeah. of drop, drop stitches. <laughs> and then when I went to teacher's training college, I did um, a craft course for a whole year and we had to knit and crochet and do tapestry and so it's always been there with me all mm. the time um and i used to knit for my own children okay until they got too big to want home knitted things so was that jerseys and, and things mm, yeah mm, clothes blankets okay. uh, things for their dolls yeah. my mom and i often knitted things for my children's dolls. They had a wonderful collection of dolly things. Which have all since gone to charity. Yes, and I'm sure they've been well appreciated too. Yes, yes. Oh. So and then did you knit for your grandchildren? Did, did you knit for your grandchildren as well? Um, I did initially when they were very little, but mm. then I stopped. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. With regard to the, the teaching arts and crafts at school when, when you were a teacher, um, what are your thoughts about, about teaching those kind of uh, skills to children? I think it's a wonderful skill. It's such a motivation to, for a child to actually sit there, persevere, check what you're doing, get on with it and make something. Mm. Unfortunately, today's children are not doing that very much. The, you know, the new generation, my grandchildren's generation, mm. don't do the homemade things like we used to do. Mm. Um, and I find that very sad that they don't. Everything's technology these days. It, it's, it's interesting that you talk about persevering because there's a difference between persevering with a computer game and persevering yes. with a knitting stitch or, you know, drop stitches, as you say, because it's, what do they call it? A small motor coordination, um, co something like that. Yeah. Fine motor coordination. Thank you. Yes, 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 exactly. I know that's so, it's so good for children mm. and sewing and knitting is just one of those things. My other hobby is scrapbooking. I don't know if you know scrapbooking. I, I know it. I'm not good at it because I can't see what uh, I'm doing. But tell me about uh, your scrapbooking. Uh, yes, okay. So I've got it in front of me right now. I scrapbook a lot for mm. all my grandchildren. And luckily I've got both my granddaughters interested in scrapbooking. So yes. at least that is a fine motor thing that they can do. Unfortunately, knitting and tapestry work, mm, they don't seem to be that interested as much as I've motivated them. Yeah. They love collecting the squares and sorting them. Okay. In fact, Emily and Lucy, 
my two granddaughters, have both been to the Knitter Square barn. Nice. Unfortunately, not when you were there. No, I didn't see both that. Both of them have actually worked with me during school holidays on a Tuesday, okay. and they love it. Yes. They well, love it. You know, there, there's all sorts of um, things required for, for something like Knitter Square. So as you say, mm. you know, the sewing up is the one thing and the... The knitting and crocheting is another, and of course, mm -hmm. distributing has been another big thing, and yes. sorting. And, and the sorting is big, yeah. It is a big thing. It's a lot of work on on a Tuesday when we do our sorting, um, and that's what my girls have really appreciated. Unfortunately, due to COVID, Emily couldn't do her charity work. She's in grade seven. Mm -hmm. and very specific charity projects that they have to do. And mm. one of hers, she chose Knitter Square as her project. Oh. Unfortunately, it hasn't happened because of COVID. My mm. goodness, that's a pity because that would have mm. been the ideal thing. But I'm yeah. sure a lot of children's charity projects for community service have fallen by the wayside this they year. They have. Even my grandson, he's so disappointed. Mm. You know, grade seven's a big year of leadership and training and mm. discipline and self-discipline. And none of that has happened this year, unfortunately. Well, I wonder if there's, I mean, what, what kind of things are they replacing them with? Well, um, well, they can't because the kids have been working online most yes. of the year. Yes. Maybe in high school she'll yes. be able. Yes, that's right. And and tell us a little bit um, about the sorting. I mean, from your perspective, you know, when the post comes in, when we're normally at the barn and we sort, yeah. what, how does it it's work? Big, I love it. It's quite exciting. Here <laughs> we all are standing around, chatting away, and during COVID with our masks on, yes. chatting away and opening a parcel is quite exciting. It's like a Christmas day. You don't know what you're getting. Totally, yeah. You open up a parcel and you see these beautiful squares. Or you see a variety of squares and then you quickly go and put all your different squares on the tables and you walk around and you add squares up until you find 35 mm -hmm. that will good for a blanket Match, yeah. and quickly those 35 disappear into your own basket yes you can them up. <laughs> of course what we also do is we we make uh, sets of 35 which get distributed to the gorgle group in soweto yes Yes. And we do that for them as well. We get the squares all piled up, and then we take um, spare wool, mm -hmm. and we um, close it up, and then we put all the squares into a big bag so that each Google will get about nine blankets to Pats. sew up. Yes, that's right. And uh, we send it off to them. So that's exciting and fun and so rewarding to do that. Yeah. The, the Google groups aren't operating at the moment, am I right? Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. They aren't. I right. think they are still, um, because of community rules and everything, not even meeting. Yeah. That's right. They can't mm. meet, yeah. you see, during lockdown. And also because of age, most of the Googles are well over 60. Okay. So they the more vulnerable people. So... Hence, they can't meet. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, with uh, with you and Audrey and Athalay Estelle and um, one or two others, um, yes. are you doing? Are you kind of carrying the whole load, or are you distributing to other friends who are sewing up as well? 
Um, for me, I'm carrying the load, except mm. for my sister's help. Yes. Because unfortunately, um, where I live in the retirement village, we have got a, a knitting group who does charity work, and they meet every Monday. Okay. So I don't work for them. I yes. work for Knitter Square. Sure. Occasionally, okay. I will sew our blankets for some of them, like Doreen, who's 106. I yeah. do her sewing. And I've got a friend, Louise, that I sew for. Okay. Um, otherwise, I, I emphasize my work with Knitter Square charity. Yes. So, no, I don't involve others where I live. Okay. Okay. And the retirement village where you're staying, is it quite a large one? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes, it's, it's big. You were telling me that you do biokin. Is it biokinetics? Yes, biokinetics yeah. in the swimming pool. Oh, marvelous! Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. It really is good. I go there twice a week. Jeez, that's that. Of course, they were closed during most of COVID. Okay. But have opened now, yes. and only six people at a time are allowed to have a lesson. Mm-hmm. And the trainer wears her mask, so yeah. it's difficult for her. Yeah. Well, it makes me think, I mean, do you have any encouragement for our members? I know that at the moment as we speak, they're talking about Spain is just locked down all over again. And a lot of Europe are talking about locking down with curfews and things. You got any encouragement for people who are sort of looking ahead to a winter maybe with more confinement? Yes. The biggest thing is just to keep yourself busy. Keep your mind active keep your body active, keep your fingers active and knit and knit and sew and sew Mm -hmm. and do a lot of that kind of thing because it does keep you going and Mm -hmm. it does keep you sane. It gives you such peace of mind. It gives you peace in your body if you keep yourself busy and know that you're doing something for somebody else who cannot do it. Fantastic, Liz. No, that's really, that's lovely. It's lovely coming from you because you you live that out. (laughs) It's not just something that you've heard and you're spouting somebody else's wisdom. You're actually living that day by day. I try to. You know, as a teacher, you're always a teacher. You've got to set the example, do things for the community. Um, All the time, friends of mine here come and ask me for advice i'm not always good at giving it believe Mm. me Mm. and then i go to my own child for advice (laughs) but it it keeps you going and it keeps you busy and it keeps you sane it really does yeah so i think positivity comes from keeping busy you become negative quickly if you're sitting still and not doing anything Mm. you've just got to keep positive and always remember you're in a better place than many others. Absolutely. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, and uh, Liz, what are you working on at the moment? Um, apropos the, the knitting. Yes, sewing up. I mean, do you want to describe one of the blankets that you're busy sewing up at the moment? Sure. I've just finished a Christmas blanket, which I'm going to pass on to Estelle soon. Mm-hmm. It's got a lovely middle section that somebody I think from the land of Croatia made. Mm. She did. She crocheted a little Christmas stocking with little gifts hanging oh. out. Stocking. It's too sweet. So I took red and red and green crocheted squares, which I've put all the way around the blankets. Mm-hmm. And my 
is busy doing the edging now. And I can't wait to get her to um, Estelle. She's going to be so happy because she and Ass are busy doing collecting blankets to distribute to somewhere in KwaZulu Natal, especially for little children for Christmas. So that's yeah, been heard very about exciting. That. Yes, so so that is a special Christmas distribution, and hopefully we can get as many Christmas blankets on that as possible. Yes, yes. even yeah. though it's not winter at the moment, you, your distribution is a Christmas gift to them. Yes, it really is fantastic. <laughs> I'm busy yeah. with another blanket that I've just started, which is quite a mismatch of colours. Mm-hmm. It's it's got stripes, it's got plain, it's got edges, and it's very thick squares which sometimes are harder to work with because mm. when you dig your needle in the, the the square is quite thick to work with yeah so eventually your fingers get sore and you just think eh. so <laughs> yeah that is tough <laughs> i'm busy with that but when mm. i open it up it looks so pretty all these different colors nice. so you are able to match up all the oddments and eventually make a blanket out of them so it's lovely. That's what always amazes me, Liz. You know, when I first joined Knitter Square and I would go in and look at the blanket cake, um, and it would just fascinate me how a, a lot of the blankets that come in actually don't aren't necessarily color matched and that kind of thing. They, they might have been made out of oddments. But they are all just beautiful. They just all have this mosaic quality of dazzling color and textures and that's a good description they do look like mosaics yeah and so pretty Mm, and i'm sure that every child who receives a blanket is just so happy with what they get yeah yeah and and, in my mind i'm quite sure of that oh absolutely yeah Mm. yeah and each one each blanket is completely unique and i think that's also makes it very very special that's what I found amazing when I first joined Knitter Square. I couldn't believe that hundreds and hundreds of blankets piled up there on the shelf. Mm. Everyone was different. Yeah. But then every child is different. Yes, yes. So the yes. uniqueness went from the blanket to the child yeah. in the same way. Yeah. Because every child is unique and different as well. And isn't it special to think that so many of the blankets are made up of squares from different knitters and crocheters around the world? So some people will contribute a whole blanket pack or a whole ready-made blanket, but others of them have literally made up of of squares from the United States and Canada and England and Scotland and Croatia and Italy and Japan and South Africa. (laughs) I think it's marvelous. It really is. I, I couldn't believe that squares came from so many countries. Yeah. When I first joined Knitter Square, I was like a little bit intimidated. I thought, oh, I can't possibly open all those packets and sort yeah. all these wonderful squares. So I used to sit and, and, and often I would do patching of squares. You know, if there's a little hole in a square, yeah. I'd sit with my, my needle and I would darn it. Okay. And then eventually I said to Estelle, no. I'm going to start opening these packets and see if I can distribute. Yes. I was gobsmacked yes. at how many different countries yeah, they absolutely. all come from yeah. and, and how precious they all are to the people who send them. I think these people are marvelous. Absolutely. I think, you know, I'm not quite sure of the current number of, of um, countries that we get things, we get squares 
from. But I, I remember last year writing that, you know, we sort of had recorded 60 different countries, which is really well, phenomenal. <laughs> yes, it, I think it is. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. And and I actually think Rhonda deserves an absolute medal for what she does. Yeah. It's a pity we're not in England. I'd recommend the Queen to give her something. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, sure. No, it's, it's amazing. It's Hope. been it's been an amazing venture that she started literally out of her yes. home. That's grown yes. into something really good, big. Yes, I'm yeah. very impressed with the whole the whole project, yeah. the way it all comes together, and how wonderful people are in faraway countries mm-hmm. to think of us in Africa. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think they realize even how helpful it is how wonderful they are to even do this for us yeah yeah you're so right yeah so well let's just end off and and tell everybody what what the next step is going to be i think there's another meeting at the barn coming up next tuesday yeah not tomorrow i think next tuesday yes yes that's right and that'll be lovely mm-hmm. it's so nice just to see everybody and say hi say hello how are you all let's get on with it and and we hold up blankets and i'll hold up a blanket <laughs> and say look at this one he's still and everybody goes oh yes and then he still will hold up a blanket and say yeah. look at this one it's going to KwaZulu natal and yeah. we all say Oh. <laughs> and then a lady will walk in, maybe someone I don't even know, mm. and she's got two bags full of blankets, and yes. we can't wait to look at them. Yes, absolutely. And of course, all the toys and the beanies. I and... know, oh, it's so mm. rewarding. Very. I love it. I love it. I won't miss it for anything. Yeah. And I hope to be doing it for many, many years to come. I really do. Fantastic. Well, Liz, thank you so much. It's been really lovely chatting to you, and you've you've shared some really lovely things i just love your perspective as a teacher so thank you thank you thank you i really do enjoy it and Mm. thank you for all your hard work too leanne i know behind the scenes you work very hard for us (laughs) at the square as well and it's much appreciated as well getting the stories out (laughs) that's what i love to do exactly thank you as well great thanks thanks liz Well, that was my conversation with Liz, and I think you'll agree with me that she had a lot of really good tips to share, um, as especially for lockdown. Um, and she has uh, obviously got this whole thing taped, keeping herself busy and active. Um, from my point of view, as we go into November, December with um, Christmas, New Year, we would otherwise have been spending a lot of time together with families. And with um, the pandemic, we're not going to be able to do that. And so um, I'm very conscious of the fact that uh, mental health and what, you know, looking after how we approach the whole thing, how important all that is. And um, something that I've been reflecting on recently, which, which I'd like to just share, I have been practicing quite intentionally paying attention to the things that I know uh, bring me joy um, that uh, keep me grounded and focused, not sort of um, spinning into worry and anxiety, and just the things that that can actually um, help me feel that I'm playing an, a, a productive role in society. So, for example, um, 
I think uh, you remember last episode, I spoke about the fact that I'm involved in some family history research. So I've enjoyed researching my grandfather's history and of course his his, uh, parents and uh, their parents and going back through the generations and looking at how the family uh, is scattered through uh, various parts of the world. But that is, um, as I say, that's what I'm paying attention to. And I'm paying attention to my garden and I'm paying attention to my knitting and my home and my husband and my children. And of course, I'm paying attention to the podcast. And, um, you know, these are all things that I feel that I have something good to give um, in those areas. And they bring me joy. They, they keep me grounded. Um, my attention then doesn't have to wander to what ifs and scary scenarios and um, panic actions <laughs> because none of those actually really help you know we can't do anything about the future the only thing we can do is put our attention where we can make a difference and um, work on developing the kind of skills and habits that will prepare us should we need to be in a position where we have to take responsibility take action and um, respond proactively to um difficult circumstances so I don't know if I put that very clearly but just just to summarize be conscious of where you are your attention is going and intentionally pay attention to the things that you know are good for your health your mental health and your physical health so I leave that with you and uh, until next time this is Leanne Hunt casting off You can find show notes at www.knit-a-square.com slash kas-podcast. Please tell your friends about this podcast if you've enjoyed it, and you can share links on Facebook, Twitter, and wherever your knitting friends congregate. Together, we are bringing hope to South Africa's vulnerable children, one square at a time.